section ten of studies in love and in terror this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. read by angelique g campbell october two thousand eighteen studies in love and in terror by marie belloc lowndes the woman from purgatory part one not dead this friend not dead but in the path we mortals tread got some few little steps ahead and nearer to the end so that you too once past the bend shall meet again as face to face this friend you fancy dead mrs barlow the prettiest and the happiest and the best dressed of the young wives of summerfield was walking toward the catholic church she was going to consult the old priest as to her duty to an unsatisfactory servant for agnes barlow was a conscientious as well as a pretty and a happy woman foolish people are fond of quoting a foolish jibe be good and you may be happy but you will not have a good time the wise however soon became aware that if in the course of life's journey you achieve goodness and happiness you will almost certainly have a good time too so at least agnes barlow had found in her own short life her excellent parents had built one of the first new houses in what had then been the pretty old-fashioned village of summerfield some fifteen miles from london there she had been born there she had spent delightful years at the big convent school over the hill there she had grown up into a singularly pretty girl and there finally it had seemed quite final to agnes she had met the clever fascinating young lawyer frank barlow frank had soon become the lover all her girl friends had envied her and then the husband who was still so he was fond of saying and of proving in a dozen dear little daily ways as much in love with her as on the day they were married they lived in a charming house called the haven and they were the proud parents of a fine little boy named francis after his father who never had any of the tiresome ailments which afflict other people's children but strange dreadful things do happen not often of course but just now and again even in this delightful world so thought agnes barlow on this pleasant may afternoon for as she walked to church this pretty happy good woman found her thoughts dwelling uncomfortably on another woman her sometime intimate friend and contemporary who was neither good nor happy this was teresa maldo the lovely half-spanish girl who had been her favorite schoolmate at the convent over the hill poor foolish unhappy wicked teresa only ten days ago teresa had done a thing so extraordinary so awful so unprecedented that agnes barlow had thought of little else ever since teresa maldo had eloped gone right away from her home and her husband and with a married man teresa and agnes were the same age they had had the same upbringing they were both in a very different way however 
beautiful and they had each been married six years before on the same day of the month but how different had been their subsequent fates teresa had at once discovered that her husband drank but she loved him and for a while it seemed that marriage would reform maldo unfortunately this better state of things did not last he again began to drink and the matrons of summerfield soon had reason to shake their heads over the way teresa maldo went on men you see were so sorry for this lovely young woman blessed or cursed with what old-fashioned folk call the come-hither eye that they made it their business to console her for such a worthless husband as was maldo no wonder teresa and agnes drifted apart no wonder frank barlow soon forbade his spotless agnes to accept mrs maldo's invitations and agnes knew that her dear frank was right she had never much enjoyed her visits to teresa's house but an odd thing had happened about a fortnight ago and it was to this odd happening that agnes's mind persistently recurred each time she found herself alone about three days before teresa maldo had done the mad and wicked thing of which all summerfield was still talking she had paid a long call on agnes barlow the unwelcome guest had stayed a very long time she had talked as she generally did talk now wildly and rather strangely and agnes looking back was glad to remember that no one else had come in while her old schoolfellow was there when at last teresa maldo had made up her mind to go luckily some minutes before frank was due home from town agnes accompanied her to the gate of the haven and there the other had turned round and made such odd remarks i came to tell you something she had exclaimed but now that i see you looking so happy so pretty and forgive me for saying so agnes so horribly good i feel that i cannot tell you but agnes whatever happens you must pity and and if you can understand me it was now painfully clear to agnes barlow that teresa had come that day intending to tell her once devoted friend of the wicked thing she meant to do and more than once pretty and good mrs barlow had asked herself uneasily whether she could have done anything to stop teresa on her downward course but no agnes felt her conscience clear how would it have been possible for her even to discuss with teresa so shameful a possibility as that of a woman leaving her husband with another man agnes thought of the two sinners with a touch of fascinated curiosity they were said to be in paris and teresa was probably having a very good time a wildly amusing exciting time she even told herself did this pretty happy fortunate young married woman that it was strange and not very fair that vice and pleasure should always go together it was just a little irritating to know that teresa would never again be troubled by the kind of worries that played quite an important part in agnes's own blameless life never again for instance would teresa's cook give her notice 
as agnes's cook had given her notice that morning it was about that matter she wished to see father ferguson for it was through the priest she had heard of the impertinent irish girl who cooked so well but who had such an independent manner and who would not wear a cap yes it certainly seemed unfair that teresa would now be rid of all domestic worries nay more that the woman who had sinned would live in luxurious hotels motoring and shopping all day going to the theatre or to a music hall each night at last however agnes dismissed teresa maldo from her mind she knew that it was not healthy to dwell overmuch on such people and their doings the few acquaintances mrs barlow met on her way smiled and nodded but as she was walking rather quickly no one tried to stop her she had chosen the back way to the church because it was the prettiest way and also because it would take her by a house where a friend of hers was living in lodgings and suddenly the very friend in question his name was ferrer came out of his lodgings he had a tall slight active figure he was dressed in a blue serge suit and though it was still early spring he wore a straw hat agnes smiled a little inward smile she was as we already know a very good as well as a happy woman but a woman as pretty as was agnes barlow meets with frequent pleasant occasions of withstanding temptation of which those about her especially her dear parents and her kind husband are often curiously unknowing and the tall well-set-up masculine figure now hurrying toward her with such eager steps played a considerable part in agnes's life if only as constantly providing her with occasions of acquiring merit agnes knew very well even the least imaginative woman is always acutely conscious of such a fact that had she not been a prudent and a ladylike as well as of course a very good woman this clever agreeable interesting young man would have made love to her as it was he of course did nothing of the kind he did not even try to flirt with her as our innocent agnes understood that much tried verb and she regarded their friendship as a pleasant interlude in her placid well-regulated existence and as a most excellent influence on his more agitated life mr ferrier lifted his hat he smiled down into agnes's blue eyes what very charming nay what beautiful eyes they were deeply exquisitely blue but unshadowed as innocent of guile as are a child's eyes somehow i had a kind of feeling that you would be coming by just now he said in a rather hesitating voice so i left my work and came out on chance now agnes was very much interested in mr ferrier's work mr ferrier was not only a writer the only writer she had ever known he was also a poet she had been pleasantly thrilled the day he gave her a slim little book on each page of which was a poem this gift had been made when they had known each other only two months 
and he had inscribed it from g g f to a m b mr ferrier had a charming studio flat in chelsea that odd remote place where london artists live far from the pleasant london of the shops and theatres which was all agnes knew of the great city near which she dwelt but he always spent the summer in the country and his summer lasted from the first of may till the first of october he had already spent two holidays at summerfield and had been a great deal at the haven when with mr ferrier and they were much together during the long weekdays when summerfield is an atomless eden agnes barlow made a point of often speaking of dear frank and of frank's love for her not of course in a way that any one could have regarded as silly but in a natural happy simple way how very very easy it is to keep this kind of friendship friendship between a man and a woman within bounds and how terribly sad it was to think that teresa maldo had not known how to do that easy thing but then teresa's lover had been a married man separated from his wife and that doubtless made all the difference agnes barlow could assure herself in all sincerity that had mr ferrier been the husband of another woman she would never have allowed him to become her friend to the extent that he was now mr ferrier agnes never allowed herself to think of him as gerald although he had once asked her to call him by his christian name held an evening paper in his hand i was really on my way to the haven he observed for there are a few verses of mine in this paper which i am anxious you should read shall i go on and leave it at your house or will you take it now and then if i may i will call for it some time to-morrow should i be likely to find you in about four o'clock yes i'll be in about four and i think i'll take the paper now and then for she was walking very slowly and ferrier with his hands behind his back kept pace with her agnes could not resist the pleasure of looking down at the open sheet for the newspaper was so turned about that she could see the little set of verses quite plainly the poem was called my lady of the snow and it told in very pretty complicated language of a beautiful pure woman whom the writer loved in a desperate but quite respectful way she grew rather red i must hurry on for i am going to church she said a little stiffly good evening mr ferrier yes i will keep the paper till to-morrow if i may i would like to show it to frank he hasn't been to the office to-day for he isn't very well and he will like to see an evening paper mr ferrier lifted his hat with a rather sad look and turned back toward the house where he lodged and as agnes walked on she felt disturbed and a little uncomfortable her clever friend had evidently been grieved by her apparent lack of appreciation of his poem when she reached the church her parents had helped to build she went in knelt down and said a prayer then she got up and walked through into the sacristy father ferguson was almost certain to be there just now agnes had known the old priest all her life he had baptized her 
he had been chaplain at the convent during the years she had been at school there and now he had come back to be parish priest at summerfield when with father ferguson agnes somehow never felt quite so good as she did when she was by herself or with a strange priest and yet father ferguson was always very kind to her as she came into the sacristy he looked round with a smile well he said well agnes my child what can i do for you agnes put the newspaper she was holding down on a chair and then to her surprise father ferguson took up the paper and glanced over the front page he was an intelligent man and sometimes he found summerfield a rather shut-in stifling sort of place but the priest's instinctive wish to know something of what was passing in the great world outside the suburb where it was his duty to dwell did him an ill turn for something he read in the paper caused him to utter a low quick exclamation of intense pain and horror what's the matter cried agnes barlow frightened out of her usual self-complacency whatever has happened father ferguson he pointed with a shaking finger to a small paragraph it was headed suicide of a lady at dover and agnes read the few lines with bewildered and shocked amazement teresa meldo whom she had visioned only a few minutes ago as leading a merry gloriously careless life with her lover was dead she had thrown herself out of a bedroom window in a hotel at dover and she had been killed instantly dashed into a shapeless mass on the stones below agnes stared down at the curt cold little paragraph with excited horror she was six-and-twenty but she had never seen death and as far as she knew the girls with whom she had been at school were all living teresa poor unhappy sinful teresa had been the first to die and by her own hand the old priest's eyes slowly brimmed over with tears poor unhappy child he said with a break in his voice poor unfortunate teresa i did not think i should never have believed that she would seek and find this terrible way out agnes was a little shocked at his broken words true teresa had been very unhappy and it was right to pity her but she had also been very wicked and now she had put as it were the seal on her wickedness by killing herself three or four days before she went away she came and saw me the priest went on in a low pained voice i did everything in my power to stop her but i could do nothing she had given her word given her word repeated agnes wonderingly yes said father ferguson she had given that wretched that wickedly selfish man her promise she believed that if she broke her word he would kill himself i begged her to go and see some woman some kind pitiful understanding woman but i suppose she feared lest such a one would dissuade her to more purpose than i was able to do agnes looked at him with troubled eyes 
she was very dear to my heart the priest went on she was always a generous unselfish child and she was very very fond of you agnes agnes's throat tightened what father ferguson said was only too true teresa had always been a very generous and unselfish girl and very very fond of her she wondered remorsefully if she had omitted to do or say anything she could have done or said on the day that poor teresa had come and spoken such strange wild words it seems so awful she said in a low voice so very very awful to think that we may not even pray for her soul father ferguson not pray for her soul the priest repeated not pray for her soul the priest repeated why should we not pray for the poor child's soul i shall certainly pray for teresa's soul every day till i die but but how can you do that when she killed herself he looked at her surprised and do you really so far doubt god's mercy surely we may hope nay trust that teresa had time to make an act of contrition and then he muttered something it sounded like a line or two of poetry which agnes did not quite catch but she felt as she often did feel when with father ferguson at once rebuked and rebellious of course there might have been time for teresa to make an act of contrition but everyone knows that to take one's life is a deadly sin agnes felt quite sure that if it ever occurred to her to do such a thing she would go straight to hell still she was used to obey this old priest and that even when she did not agree with him so she followed him into the church and side by side they knelt down and each said a separate prayer for the soul of teresa maldo as agnes barlow walked slowly and soberly home this time by the high road she tried to remember the words the lines of poetry that father ferguson had muttered they at once haunted and eluded her memory surely they could not be between the window and the ground she mercy sought and mercy found no agnes was sure that he had not said window and yet window seemed the only word that would fit the case and he had not said she mercy found he had said he mercy sought and mercy found that agnes felt sure and that too was odd but then father ferguson was very odd sometimes and he was fond of quoting in his sermons queer little pieces of verse of which no one had ever heard suddenly she bethought herself with more annoyance than the matter was worth that in her agitation she had left mr ferrier's newspaper in the sacristy she did not like the thought that father ferguson would probably read those pretty curious lines my lady of the snow also agnes had actually forgotten to speak to the old priest of her impertinent cook End of section 10 read by angelique campbell october 2018